Hello and welcome to the Rigori Podcast, the show that's as short and shameful as a Juventus Champions League campaign. I'm Giancarlo Rinaldi, the Fiorentina fan who's always got a beef, and I'm joined by the Venetian who's always blind with rage, my cousin Marco. Marco, how are you doing this week? Lots of rage this week. Good, 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 good. I, I feel I should start with an apology though because... I played my joker last week to be away, to be actually out of the country. And I think I missed, it would definitely have been a rage-filled episode. I think it might have been a world record length episode if I'd I'd been in the country. um, Because people may or may not remember that Fiorentina lost 4-3 with the last kick of the ball. I was in Bologna on my holidays watching it in a bar next to some Inter fans and I did my best to get into a fight with them um, but the the biggest and the most contentious issue was the VAR use for penalties and Terracano appearing to get his hand to the ball but that didn't seem to matter, Inter got a penalty only for it to be compounded the following day when VAR ruled out a penalty for the same thing so as I say just to begin with an apology not that you know not that I haven't got over it but I haven't got over it <laughs> um, so and I was also I was lucky enough as well to be in Bologna to see Lewis Ferguson's first Serie A goal um, and a win over comfortable win over Lecce. Nice day out, good atmosphere. Hats off to the Lecce fans. They made an absolute good racket. And also, the the hilarious thing for me, I mean, obviously with a Scottish accent, is Lewis Ferguson. But when the stadium announcer um, celebrated his goal, we all had to call him Ferguson. So we were. Ferguson. So it was. Like it. So it was. Lu- Luis. Ferguson, we all shouted out in response. So nobody shouted Ferguson. It was all Ferguson. So there you go. So that's uh, an insight into the Italian pronunciation of of Lewis Ferguson's name. Anyway, but back on to this week's matters and another another cracking good round. A few a few long standing records broken. Uh, we record on the Sunday night and just seen Milan's proud away record. Tumble, I think it was since last November or something. They hadn't lost a, a, an away game at uh, Toro. Got um, right in about them, if we can use a Scottish phrase, and and really got tore into them as their as their coach. I think Ivan Juric would would demand, and and were really well worth their win. I mean, do you feel that Marco Milan a bit off colour and Toro yeah. Toro well worth it? Yeah, I, I just thought that Milan didn't. Seem to be at the races tonight. I mean, they got a goal, but that was more a defensive cock-up uh, that led to their their goal. And now, other than that, they didn't really create very much at all. Um, I do think the Champions League thing will be playing a part in that. I suppose uh, certainly they didn't start some of their players that they might otherwise have started, and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a good win for Toro. I'm not trying to take anything away from them, but I suppose Milan. Milan uh, don't really have a squad to me that can fight on two fronts consistently. And as I think they, they're obviously wanting to ensure that they get through to the next round of the Champions League for the first time in a while. So that'll be the priority at the moment. Um, but they, they, they looked short of ideas. And poor Charles de Ketelara... Um, just can't catch a break at all. He just nothing he does seems to go right at all. So I, I do feel for him because I think he is a talented player. But 
yeah, I, I'm not sure what the answer is there. They they need him up to speed. I think that's the trouble is that, you know, last season they didn't have Champions League, so they could operate with a tighter squad, whereas this season, you know, um, Leal was going up against his version of Kryptonite, Coffee Gigi, that just, <laughs> although he did have chances early on, um, but for whatever reason it was, a, it was a no night for Leal, and that's when you need your other players to step up. And I'd say, you know, Origi as well didn't, yeah. didn't look great. Um, and De Kettler, as you say, when he came on, he's, he's, he's still at a low peep and he just he just can't he can't get He doesn't seem to be on the same wavelength as his teammates, no. which having seen him, you know, do so well pre-Milan, you've got to think there's a player there. It's just about getting the best out of him and maybe, you know, finding a, a system. And, and these things sometimes take time. Sometimes it never works out. That That's also possible. You lose patience quickly. But, I, I mean, I suspect that given the amount of money that Milan invested in him, you know, they're going to have to have a bit of patience, I think. You know, it's not a case of just saying, oh, cut our losses and, you know, we'll, we'll ditch him. And that's not the kind of model that Milan run either. So, you know, I, th- I think they're going to have to, to be patient and try to try to find a way. But, you know, in the, in the meantime, it, it makes their title defence, it was definitely a, a big blow to, to that as well, given given the way that um, the other results went as well. But, I mean, Toro, not the only team to get a famous win or a big win over a, a more illustrious rival. Also, your favourite team Salernitana were were in action and they come from behind victory against yeah. against Lazio. I mean, you got to. I, I feel a bit. I, I mean, I don't. I don't want to hammer on about it, but bugger it, I will. Um, you know, it's, it's a sort of sliding doors thing. You know what? What might have been that Matsoki man that you let go is now playing the football of his of his life. He was involved in a, a couple of the goals, the comeback. The, the the one to spark the comeback was an absolute beauty. Oh, Candreva was, beauty, yeah. was, you know, I mean, I know it's the law of the X that you're going to score against your old club, but there's goals and there's goals. That was an absolute belter. And then, you know, Lazio maybe another team where is, the squad maybe is is struggling. You know, Immobile, one of your favourite players, gone gone down, but they they do look a bit a bit less bite up front, and you know that that is a that is a that is a blow to them. But again, Salernitana looked well worth their well worth their victory, and they're up into the the top half of the table. And we we like to load the load the little teams that are doing well. And and you know, much as Even it might them. yeah, much as it might stick in your craw, Marco, the, it was a it was a good performance and a good result. Oh yeah, it was. And as you say, Kondreva's goal was was a beauty, and Matsoki continues to be good, um, which I think he always was. Uh, but you know, he's got that. He's definitely got going through a period where he's, everything he does comes off, and you know he's got the belief uh, running through him. So, yeah, I, I I only saw the highlights of this one, but they looked pretty good value for it. I mean, Lazio did miss a couple of absolute sitters. It looked to me, but <laughs> Vecino um, Vecino yeah. was the man to blame for those. I saw he got a I think a four point five from the Gazeta. It was it was one miss. Worse than the other, really. Which is, yeah. I think he just, I think he saves his goals to score against Fiorentina. He likes to, <laughs> he likes to do that, so he didn't obviously want to want to do them. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think it's always, you know, give credit to the 
the wee team as well as the deficiencies. The other big talking point, which I don't know if you saw, was Milenkovic Savic picking up. Yeah. It was a, a move of managerial genius. Sarri kept him on the bench to try to avoid. He was one yellow card away from a suspension for the Rome derby. But the way the game panned out, he had to bring him on, at which point he got the yellow card, which rules him out of the Rome derby. Now, I saw Sarri interviewed afterwards saying, oh, if I say what I think, I'll be banned for six months but I mean did, did you see the incident Marco and if so what did you think I mean I, th- I thought it was a I, I, I thought it was a booking yeah. so um, I, I don't see that the, I'm not sure what Sari is complaining about other than the fact that he likes to complain a lot <laughs> he does like to complain a lot I, th- I thought I mean I think his case was that he Milikovic Savage had the ball and was trying to pass it and then when he's followed through yeah, caught the guy's foot. But given what we see, given yellow cards in Italy, I don't. You know, it wasn't the most. It wasn't the most scandalous decision. I mean, then the, the trouble is that I think with these things, with these decisions, it, it's always it's often to sort of agitate and play well with the the fans, so that you can have some kind of conspiracy theory about. You know, I don't know. Do we think that Roma are getting some great assistance from the referees ahead of the ahead of the derby? I would. I would sincerely doubt it given who's in charge at, at yeah. Roma you know so the, he's the ultimate conspiracy theorist so you know it, it did look I could say it was one of those ones to me that you could give it you couldn't give it I mean you, you need to see it as well in the context of the whole game and whether those sort of fouls are given but certainly a, a, a shame for Lazio to lose and a shame for the Rome derby to lose one of its yeah, it, its biggest protagonists and that was also a setback you know but again maybe another team that Half an eye on Europe, not a big enough squad, and you know that's you know that they've they've paid the they've paid the price for that. But um, one team showing no signs of stopping though, Napoli. I mean, once again they carried out a ceremonial scudding of Sassuolo. Good alliteration there on on my part, and they you know that raises some questions over Dionisi as a coaching abilities at Sassuolo. But having said that. Napoli ripping everybody apart these days. So, you know, is there anything, Marco, that can, can stop Napoli? I mean, there's Milan's tripped up. I mean, Inter kind of finding some form, but, but I mean, Na- they're, Napoli they're just, just looks scintillating, don't they? Yeah, they do. And actually, unlike the other teams, they do have some depth in their squad, I think. Uh, and the thing is that all of the people that they bring in seem to be able to contribute and make a, make a difference for them. So, I mean, you know, there was the whole period where um, Ozymen was uh, injured and then Raspadori and Lozano and and uh, Simeone were stepping up and now he's back and he's banging in the goals. And, you know, you add to that, that they've signed a great defender, Kim, it looks like, and um, just one of the most exciting players I've seen in a long time in Quaritzkelia. They, you know, I think it's going to be very difficult for anyone to catch up with them, but... There is obviously a, a certain calendar break that's coming up that might not play into their hands. Yeah, although I, I mean, I think I, I was having a wee look today, and they're, in a way, Napoli quite fortunate that a number of their key players won't be at the World yeah. Cup. You know, Italy did them a favour by leaving allowing Meret and you know Di Lorenzo and these kind of guys to settle home, and you know there'll be more obviously Faradskilia no be there either so you know they, they're not quite as badly affected and as you say they they do look like they've got a bit of depth to their squad and it's just amazing just now the tune that they get out of 
whoever they bring in yeah. into the team is is really impressive. You know, I, I don't know that, you know, I'm sure like all these things, they're on a, their momentum just now is great. I'm sure if you got Luciano Spalletti in a room and say, you know, you know, do you want a, a five six week break now that your team's in form? No, he wouldn't. He wouldn't want that. But equally, you know, it might be that they can recharge the batteries and and come back just as strong. You know, because they certainly they've looked head and shoulders above everybody else, and hugely entertaining as well. Which is the yeah. thing that isn't always the case. I mean, with all credit to Milan for their title when last season, it wasn't always scintillating it wasn't always pretty I think what it was was full of character that you know Milan just had a never see die spirit that got them through some games where they looked dead and buried and they came back and they got a point or they got the win and that's you know that's often the making of champions but what Napoli are doing is a, a rare alliance of entertaining and winning and well, being top I, of the league I mean I think I think there is an argument to make that Napoli are, are one of, if not the best team in Europe at the moment, because I, I don't think they would fear any team, and I think they'd give anyone a real a real game. So, yeah, I, I, as you say, maybe it's it's difficult to know at this stage what the break's going to do. Is it going to disrupt that momentum, and it'll be harder for them to get back into it, or will the rest period be exactly what they need to come sort of um, May June time when it's it's getting to the important end of the season? I suppose the other worry is that there is a January transfer window there and, you know, do maybe the giant guns of Europe come sniffing around and, you know, already at some of these players that we've mentioned, the Kims and the Quaritschkelias or whatever, that, you know, and and we'll see men too has been regularly kind of touted for other clubs and I guess that would be a worry if you were a Napoli fan that, you know, hopefully they can keep them because they're doing something special and you'd like to think that these players would all stay put, especially since they've just, you know, some of them have just come to the club. But there is, I suppose, a danger that someone comes in and cherry-picks your your best player. But fingers crossed, you know, we're kind of for the underdog and Napoli certainly represent a bit of an underdog in the Scudetto fight. So fingers crossed that won't be the case. A- a- another underdog that um, did well at the weekend. Juventus managed a, a resounding 1-0 victory over over Lecce. The giants of Lecce. The giants yeah. of Lecce who had, as I say, I saw struggle against Bologna. And um, a lot a lot being made of Nicolo Fagioli getting the, the goal. I mean, we love him because he gives me a gratuitous opportunity to see chill the beans over over Fajoli. <laughs> um, but you know, and I'll be using regular puns if his career does go from strength to strength. But re- what I was going to ask you about Marco was that immediately. I mean, he did score a lovely goal. It was a, it was a cracking goal. But immediately I saw headlines: Fajoli alla del Piero. You know, comparing him already, and you know, so I had I had a quick look to see. I mean, he's twenty one years old, and he's played one hundred and three minutes in Serie A, and he'd also had his spell with Cremonese, I think, where he scored three goals in thirty three games. So you know, he's very much a boy at the start of his career. And how many times have we been down this road before with with young Italian players, where we we land them with a sort of the next. Totti, the next Pirlo, whatever. I mean, is it fair to even put him in the the same sentence as Del Piero? No, no, it isn't. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it'd be great if he was 
of that standard. We'll wait and see. But to me, especially when they do it at a bigger club, then they get bummed up. And it's like, um, you know, Juve were suddenly on some sort of comeback trail when they beat Empoli and, and was it Torino, I think? or No, they lost to Torino. I, or I can't remember now. But they they won two games and suddenly everyone was trying to tell us that this was Allegri's system working and they were coming back. And now they've beaten Lecce and now they've suddenly got the next Del Piero. It, it's, it, yeah, I think especially with Juve because the papers have to fill it and pe- they want people to read it, then you'll get more of this. But you've got to give these players space. And we've seen, particularly over the past, I would say, five, ten years, a lot of young Italians being touted as the next great thing and they've amounted to not very much, unfortunately. So um, I'm in very much in the wait-and-see camp on, on this one. Although I do think Juve's enforced move to playing younger players generally is going to help them because, you know, I think it's not just him. You've got, uh, is it Illing Jr. or, or something? Yep. The, the winger, the English winger. Um, and th- these boys seem to be able to make a difference in a way that the old boys just just haven't been this season. Yeah, no, and that, Allegri is very against it, but he's kind of been forced into it. That, that's right. It's a rejuvenation um, <laughs> of, uh, of the team. But, it's, but you know, you're you're right. I, I don't think it's unfair to put a Berlotti pressure on a young player <laughs> like that. Oh I apologise to everyone <laughs> and the, for this. And, and the, I, and, I obeyed this section. I didn't realise there'd be so many. Yeah, and the cannellini on a young player <laughs> like that. No, no. <laughs> okay, that, that's enough. I'll stop for now because there's a few more, but I'll keep them up my sleeve. <laughs> I'll keep them up my sleeve for for future for future reference. Anyway, I'm, the reason part of the reason why I'm so giddy with the with puns, of course, is that my own team, Fiorentina, actually managed a a win um, this afternoon, and it was a classic. Something's got to give kind of game, because incredibly Spezia, along with Napoli and Juventus, were the only teams in Serie A with an unbeaten home record, and Fiorentina had never won an away game this season, and so they actually managed to come up with a win. I I don't know if you saw any of it, Mark. Actually, Spezia would have thoroughly deserved to be more than ahead by quite a margin at the end of the first half, because they were convincingly the, the, the better team but Fiorentina did kind of hang on in there I suppose and keep themselves keep themselves in the game and then eventually um, I mean having taken the lead through Milenkovic lost it to Nzola as I say and, and Spezia would have been well worth being further ahead. They kind of took control of the game in the second half but it wasn't until a pretty horrendous tackle yeah, uh, by Nicola. I don't know how the ref missed it. That, that was what I was going to get to. Was the, the ref, I mean, he didn't give anything. He didn't no. give even a foul. And then the replays showed a sort of shin-high, studs-first tackle on Artur Cabral. That, you know, exactly the kind of thing that were to crack down on. So he, he was showing a red card. That obviously then gave the, the momentum to Fiorentina. But, but being Fiorentina, it looked like they were going to throw it away until Artur Cabral eventually popped up in the in the closing stages to win it. So it was a big tonic for Fiorentina. That's two wins in the space of a week, having won in Europe as well and, and booked, their, booked their ticket to progress in the Conference League. I'd be wary of calling it 
turning a corner because I've followed Fiorentina long enough to know that that's that that's unlikely. But it was it was certainly it was a it was a positive. I thought there was a good big Fiorentina support there. They were pleased and it showed a bit of character and it gave them hope at least that. I mean, they're well off any European hopes this season, but it did it did give some hope that maybe they can clamber back into the top half of the season, uh, top half of the table before the before the World Cup break and uh, kind of regather and and kind of recoup a bit of time and, and get their get their season back on track. So that was that was pleasing for me, but unfortunately, I don't think the weekend was as pleasing for you, Marco. No, it was, I mean, same old, same old, I guess. We we played a mediocre team and managed to lose quite convincingly to them. Um, and uh, I was reading some of the uh, aftermath of it today and there was a comment from one Venezia uh, fan site that's, you know, completely scathing and entirely correctly, in my view, of the whole system that the club is about the focus on marketing and everything. Yesterday we were at home to Askley, who were playing in all white, and for some reason we wore a gold strip. No idea why that is. And obviously that doesn't matter, except that it kind of shows the priorities at the club are all wrong, in my view, um, because they're obsessed with trying to sell strips. They're not obsessed with trying to get us winning games, uh, um, which is the most important thing at a football club I tend to find. And... I think Javercic is finally. I'm as we record this. I'm not sure if he's definitely out, but that's certainly the word on the street is that he's gone, or is going. Um, who it's going to be next, we don't know. Yakini was the early favourite, but I'm, oh, oh Lord, I know. oh Lord, my condolences. Well, but it, it, it gets worse because I think he's probably going to turn us down. It's not the other way around. So. So, um, I don't know, this talk of Son Sheen, who came in at the end of last season, who's our youth coach, who has done very well with the Primavera, but to me, that's a different thing entirely to then come up and try and manage the, the main team. So, I don't know what the answer is um, in the short term, but Javercic definitely had to go because he had no answers, and we'll need to wait and see. I mean, uh, to me, there needs to be a clear out. Menta needs to go. Uh, Molinaro isn't qualified to be a sporting director there, there needs to be a complete change in attitude at the club but at the moment we're at the second bottom of Serie B and it's not looking like we're going to climb out of that anytime soon to be honest I mean the the good news is that Javorcic his expression won't change any <laughs> no that's true yeah. if he does get sacked because he looked sort of miserable anyway, so that that will that will continue. Strangely, for the first time, he uh, he must have been getting ready for a job interview because for the first time yesterday, he wasn't wearing his tracky tracky bottoms oh, right, and, okay, and t-shirt. Okay. He was wearing a, a suit jacket and stuff on the maybe on the sidelines. Maybe so. a great weight lifted that he knew <laughs> yeah. that he knew that all soon all his suffering will be over. Unlike you, who has no choice but to follow Venezia, he'll soon be he'll soon be freed of that burden. No, but I'll probably be banned by the Venezia. I, I'm already seeing like real, you know, Venezia fans being blocked by yeah. the Venezia social media team, which is just ridiculous in my view. It's um, crazy. It's crazy. When, when I, th- I think that, as I say, we've kind of had hints of it in Florence as well, where they, they want to kind of control, not, not only... They want you to support the team, but they want to tell you how to support yeah. the team. I think that's the that's the thing, and it's like you're being ungrateful if you say anything even mildly critical. Which you know that's that should be a football fan's right. I mean, if we fans of small teams 
don't have the right to no. grumble. My what God. do we have? We have <laughs> exactly. nothing. You're taking away our very existence if you take away that. You know, we've got to have the right to vent a bit and see some mildly critical things about the club, and they've got to take it. You know, and then we try to move on together, and hopefully we come to to good times. I mean, I, I look forward to the. You might get a lovely set of baseball hats if Yakini does come in. You know, you'll get a good. You'll get I'm sure some, we will. You'll get some good marketing. A whole be line some, of them. There'll be a sultry brunette on a gondola <laughs> wearing a wearing a a baby Yakini baseball cap. So there's that to look forward to, I suppose. But you know, it's a shame. It is a shame, though. I mean, in in all reality, though, you know, in England. When the teams drop down from the Premo, they're always, you know, they've got their parachute payment and they're always major forces in the championship. And to see Venezia, I mean, I know the form was bad and everything, but just the same, to see them drop like a stone, yeah. you know, through the division would be would be tragic, really, you know, because they're a team that should be at minimum Serie B level, you know, and, yeah. and, and given the resources that, are potentially there behind them. There's no reason for them not to be. But it just seems like, you know, every week from speaking to you, they seem to do something more stupid to kind of sabotage. It's like somebody stabbing holes in the bottom of their gondola. It's just, <laughs> uh, it's it's horrible to watch. And then they'll be at the bottom of the Grand Canal without a without a trace. But hopefully, you can find somebody to patch up those holes and get you and get you back afloat. There's still plenty of time. That's the only there the is. only mild and, and consolation. B, it being Serie B, you're never that far off. You know, jumping up the table if you exactly. have a little run of results, but exactly. um, uh, yeah, I'm not. I don't know. I, I, this weekend, I, I was almost resigned to the fact that we're we're just in for a fight this season. But we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see what the new manager does. We'll try and finish on a mildly positive note, just to <laughs> shock our to shock our listeners. Anyway, listen. Thanks for speaking to me again, Marco. Thanks for listening, everyone, and uh, please like share do all those things that help to boost our boost our ratings and uh, we'll be back again next week with more of this cheery chat see you then <laughs>